Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Blog Talk Radio. And tonight our favorite show is Ozark, starring Jason Bateman and Laura Linney, brought to you by Netflix. And here to discuss Ozark with me tonight, of course, I am your mandated reporter and frankly, I'm mortified, Mr. Mark Radelidge. And this is TV Party Tonight. Uh, Joining me once again to discuss Ozark is Jesse Starcher, the, the disapproving dad and host, host of Source Horse. The host of Source Material <laughs> is over, right? We've done that in the past. <laughs> How's it going? Oh, man. We made it through the intro. Let's see if we can make it through the episode. Uh, I'm ready to rock and roll, man. All right. So a couple of months back when I had Andrew Graham on here, I said it was you know, kind of like a split seven inch. It was half a TV party and half a because you made me yeah and, and and tonight's kind of a similar thing uh i i didn't know nothing about no ozark uh i think what happened was i had some holes in the schedule and i said all right well you know i've got a couple of dates here that don't have anything going on uh i'll, I'll schedule some tv parties i know i had one with pat uh and then i was like okay well i've got some other open dates here let's see if, if people want to talk about some stuff and you answered the call, and you actually suggested Ozark to me. Now, what was your thinking with this show? What, what, when you watched it, what were you thinking about, and what made you decide you wanted to spend an hour of your life talking about it? Oh, yeah, dude. Well, this, is, this had dropped on Netflix, and probably about three or four days later, I was trying to figure out, should I give it a shot? Me and the wife are always looking for things to watch together. You know, Some of the stuff that she watches, I'm just like, well, you can, you can have that show. And then I, she's got the same stuff with me. There's a few shows that I watch that she probably would rather have nothing to do with. But we always look for that real good show that we can sit down and watch together as, you know, as the night ends and then we can go to bed. So a friend of mine on Facebook, um, he 
got on there and said that, I mean, he put this show over. He, he was like, if anybody out there has the opportunity to watch Ozark, do so. If you're a fan of Breaking Bad, you're going to love this show. So I immediately, t- you know, I caught on there and commented. I said, I'm sold, buddy. I'm going to start watching it. So the wife and I sat down, watched the first episode, and it's one of those episodes that grabs you, sucks you in, and you're ready to do, you're ready to binge, buddy. You know, those are the kind of shows that I like, uh, the ones that make you want to keep coming back for more. So I, I, my expectations were, of course, like everybody else, anybody, any of the reviews or anybody who's had the opportunity to say anything about Ozark compared to Breaking Bad. Me and you were both fans of Breaking Bad. Um, and so it has a high bar to hit, in my opinion. Uh, going through the season, I felt personally that it was a great series. Ozark hit the mark for me. So I said, if we have the opportunity to do so, we're going to have a TV party tonight, and we're going to talk <laughs> about it for an hour. And so I'm glad that you took it upon yourself to uh, – to, I, I can't wait to hear what your thoughts are. I hope you enjoyed the series, but uh, I'm glad you took the time to sit down. What, what were we talking about? Ten episodes here, so that's close to ten hours worth of your time that you de- dedicated to watching a, a show. So I'm, I can't wait to hear what you have to think. Well, you know, I've become less of a TV snob uh, over the past couple of years. Well, nothing, I was, nothing's was... going to compare to The Wire. So we, we might as well just put, we might as well just go ahead and you know that's that is the gold standard I think in your opinion for TV correct yeah nothing no, nothing <laughs> nothing is better than the wire that's um, right though I, though I tell you what man I've been burning through episodes of, of Game of Thrones and not that Game of Thrones is like my favorite thing ever but I, it's more of like I just want to get through it and it was and I had to catch up on seven seasons. You know, more on that. Yeah, I, I'd never watched it before. Um, and it, and I had watched the first season in preparation to talk about it, but we ended up having to cancel that show. So I was like, well, I'm just going to keep going then and just clean, you know, clean the whole thing out. And then whenever season eight comes on, the, the, the final season, I'll be ready for it. Um, but so it's funny, like, yeah, you know, we joke about how like the wire is the gold standard and nothing is better than the wire, but I think my wife will tell you, I have been watching Game of Thrones lately. <laughs> <laughs> have you been quoting I, it? Have you been quoting it or doing anything crazy like that around the house? So it's my wife's birthday this weekend. Oh, and boy. she and she, they, they came home late tonight because my daughter had Girl Scouts. Um, so and I'm working this whole weekend and her birthday's actually on Sunday. So I was like, well, we're going to celebrate it tonight. Because I'm not going to be around this weekend. I'm, I'm working all weekend. And I work 12-hour days. So um, I figured, you know, she'll come home. I, I got her a cake and I got her a present and, and, and everything else. And she's trying to tell me about her day. And, uh, and all I can come back with is, so Aria puts oh, on one of the <laughs> like, kills Walter Frey in the season finale of, of season six and then opens with season seven and she just wipes out the whole Frey family. It's fucking awesome. And she's looking at me like, can you tell me about anything in your actual life? Yeah, you're right. Focus, Mark. Focus, please. Let's, let's come yeah. back to reality. 
Nope, I am in Westeros for for now. That's where I live. <laughs> <laughs> I periodically wander out of Westeros to put on another movie for my three year old and make sure he has not destroyed the house. Yeah, that's um, good enough. In any case, yeah, I uh, going back to the whole TV snob thing. Let me let me get back on track here. Um, initially, everyone was like, every the, the show that everyone was talking about a few years ago was Breaking Bad. You know, it was, you know, it was like Breaking Bad and The Walking Dead. Those are the two shows that everybody talked about. And mm-hmm. I'm not a zombie person, so I, and I didn't read the comic books. I wasn't interested in The Walking Dead. I was never going to watch it, still haven't, and I'm not planning on it. It's not my thing. But uh, I had heard about Breaking Bad, and everyone was like, if you like The Wire and The Shield, you'll love Breaking Bad. And I'm like, nope. Um, <laughs> there's, there's, there's nothing. Nothing compares to the wire. Um, and the few people who are like, please break out of your snobbery. You'll like Breaking Bad if you give it a chance. And I watched the first season on Netflix and I was like, oh, this is actually really good. And then as it's, it, it started off a little slow. And then as it, and then as the seasons progressed, I really got hooked. And then I had, I had binge watched it right in time to, for the last season. Mm. Um, which I watched live. Very similar to so, what me and my wife did. Um, so what I'm getting to with all of this is kind of after my Breaking Bad experience, uh, especially with a lot, of the, a lot of the stuff that's coming out on Netflix, I'm giving more TV shows a chance. I'm, I'm trying to break out of my, you know, everything has to be the wire thing or, had, or be a superhero show. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's the other thing. It was like I would I, I wouldn't even give any of the CW shows a chance, and then I'd heard how good the Flash was, and sort of the same similar set of events. I binge watched the first season of the Flash, and I was like, I love the show. What have I been missing all the time? So it's like, you know, I'm I'm taking the measure of people I trust who watch to who watch TV, and if if the show is well liked enough, I'm at least willing to give it a chance now. Yeah. So wh- when you had suggested, why don't you give Ozark a chance? I'm like, well, generally speaking, Jesse's taste is pretty good. He generally doesn't watch stuff that sucks. I appreciate so that. I, I was, and I had read some stuff before I started watching it, how it was actually very comparable to Breaking Bad in the sense that you have white middle-class guy ends up knee-deep in crime, film at 11. <laughs> um and I'm like, okay, let's let's give this a shot. And I saw what the premise was. The premise was that um, you, Jason Bateman, who plays Monty Bird, uh, is laundering money for the Mexican mob and relocates his family from Chicago to the Ozarks. Hilarity ensues. Uh, <laughs> he has to he has to launder. I think it's like eight hundred eight million dollars in three months. Um, which is, you know, which is sort of a beat the clock situation. It's a mm-hmm. lot of money to have to launder in eight months and in, in three months time. Uh, and then when he, you know, when he gets down there, he runs into all kinds of obstacles like you do. And I was like, you know what? That's actually a pretty fun premise. So I gave it a shot. I watched it and let's talk about it. Yeah. Are you What's- so, so, so the two big stars in this thing are are Jason Bateman and Laura Linney. <laughs> Everybody else I've never seen before, and like nobody was recognizable. Uh, did you I recognize rec- any of the cast? 
well, I recognize the guy that they moved in with. I I, I can't remember the his first his first name, but mm. uh, he's been he's been uh, in a bit part in quite a few movies. But the one that I the one that I clearly remember him from is the judge from Ghostbusters Two when the Scolari yeah. brothers show up. <laughs> yes, that's my first the person memory. that looks familiar. I, yeah, I, I, you're absolutely right about that. I'm actually trying to find his name in the cast list from um, on the Wikipedia page, but uh, yeah, he's the only like I, I immediately knew who he was. Yeah. Um, yeah, the kids. You know, I'd never seen the kids before. Uh, and the the Langmores, who we want to talk, we'll, we'll probably mention here. None of the Langmores look familiar. Uh, the FBI agents didn't look familiar. So, yeah, dude, you know, you're talking about a pretty well unknown cast. Somebody, I was reading a review who talked about, oh, I can't remember their name. Um, the 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 people they run into that are running the drugs locally. Uh, the those two the two I don't want to call them hillbillies because oh. they're they're country folk but but no. apparently and, yes, and hillbilly no. would be more accurate than redneck they they don't like okay. they don't take don't kindly to be called redneck <laughs> last last term you want to use and to describe them that's for damn sure uh, but yeah those apparently the actor that plays uh, the the lead the male lead there of the Snells I. That uh, his he apparently had been in a few things, but nothing I recognize. So, so as to these people being in stuff that I've seen, I can tell you that Marty Bird and Wendy are the only two that look familiar to me. Um, were you familiar with Jason Bateman's work in anything else besides Teen Wolf too? <laughs> the correct answer is no, sir. Uh, I have not watched any Arrested Development as acclaimed as that show is. So many people rave about that. I just have not got around to it. It's not something I don't want to watch. It's just something I haven't had the opportunity to watch. So Jason Bateman has clearly uh, he, he's got some acting chops on him because he did that. He's done that show, and I think it's still going, or they're bringing it back, one or the other, uh, here pretty soon. And uh, man, the last thing I remember seeing him in, I watched uh, Central Intelligence, I think is what it is, for, with The Rock and Kevin Hart. He's in that as yeah. well. But right. I think it's just like it's, it's another bit part. But yeah, as for a starring role or a directing role as well, which he does here at in Ozark for a few episodes. This is the first time I've ever really sat down and watched this man act. Um, yeah, I I was familiar with him um, from some stuff here and there. I never watched the rest of development either. Mm-hmm. But uh, he's I think he's mostly been in in like comedies, and yeah. this might be one of the few t- few times, if ever, that I've ever seen him in a dramatic role. And I'll tell you what, man, he really knocks it out of the park. (laughs) (laughs) That's the truth. It is the truth. Cause that was one of the worries I had when I first saw him on screen was like, am I going to be able to take him seriously? Am I going to be able to actually, uh, you know, let alone the fact that I've never watched arrested development, people going into this who have, I'm sure we're probably having even more reservations than I was, but 
you know, he does a spectacular job on screen. And to I think he directed the first two and I think either the last either the finale or the last two episodes, but he's he had his I, when I saw his name pop up on the screen, I was like, man, he's actually directing this as well as acting. Um, and yeah, man, he, he does great. Does great. Uh, obviously Laura Linney, I've seen in a ton of different things. Um, yeah, she's, she's got a long storied acting career. Uh, yeah. she, she does a great job in her role as well. I think she definitely holds up her end of the, the duo, um, whose shoulders the show rests on you know, hers and uh, Jason Bateman's. They, I was telling my wife about this. Um, li- listening to a, the show is not just about them like laundering money and hiding in the Ozarks. One of the one of the tenets of this show is that this is a this is a marriage uh, between you know the characters of Marty Bird and Wendy Bird, played by Bateman and Linny, respectively, where where their marriage has hit the skids. Yeah, that's putting it lightly. You know, she's cheating on him, and he's he knows to it. her. Yeah, it's you know it, when you think about like, um, oh gosh, uh, the the movie with Kevin Spacey where he wants to sleep with the kid. Sleep, uh, uh, I just about called it Sleeping Beauty. It's American Beauty. <laughs> American Beauty. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's so many portrayals of like the stale the white American stale marriage. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, that middle class, um, middle age, you know, where every, where, there's just contempt in the house for each other. And there's a lot of that in this show. And over the course of 10 episodes, with one episode completely dedicated to a flashback to sort of explain how they got to where they are now, um, mm-hmm. you know, they show that contempt for each other and distrust. Um, and, the, and the two of them do a really, really great job of playing with all that grist for the mill. Yeah. I really, and I, I was telling my wife about that. I was just like, if there was ever a cautionary tale for, you know, if you have a problem, just communicate with your wife. Don't keep it to yourself. <laughs> Don't shut down. Oh, yeah. This is it. My gosh. That, I can remember, I think it's in the first episode. It's either in the first or the second episode. I think, I'm pretty sure it's the first because the second episode gets things rolling towards the Ozarks. But when they're living in Chicago and he has the video of her you know, cheating on him. And at first, I mean, he's just sitting there in the same, in the living room, watching it on his laptop while she's like either in the same room watching TV. And you're wondering, okay, why has this guy not flipped his shit yet? And this is kind of <laughs> odd, you know, what, what is going on? So they, they bring that, that tension and it, you're, you're just waiting for what he's going to do and how he's going to handle this. And you can tell that, you know, Marty's having a hard time trying to figure out, this is not a man who's, <laughs> he's calculating, he's, uh, he deals with numbers all the time, but this is not a man who deals with situations like that. And, Clearly, the way he's acting and, and, and trying to deal with it, obviously watching this stuff while his wife's in the same room, and then, of course, as things get even a little bit more weird as the episodes go on, uh, it, 
it's it provides that really necessary amount of tension as to how he's going to try and resolve it. And of course, things go not as he plans. That's for sure. <laughs> One of my favorite things about Ozark and the Marty Bird character, and, and I want to talk a little bit about, you know, have your main character being somebody who you need to root for that you want to root for in order for, at least for me to be invested in the show. But, yeah. um, one of the things I really like about his characterization and, and the way Jason Bateman plays him is what a fast talker he is. You know, <laughs> yeah. like if, if you think about some of our great heroes in crime dramas, you know, uh, Walter White's superpower was that he was, this, he was a chemist and, you know, he could, he could do, you know, he, he, he made like, something where it was kind of like a bomb that he was throwing at people. And, oh, yeah. you know, obviously he created the, uh, the, 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 the blue hair, the blue mess and all of that. Like that was, that was sort of the gimmick of the show was that he would use his knowledge of chemistry to get over on people. Um, Marty's superpower is his ability to talk. Mm-hmm. You know, so much of the show is him convincing people to go with him, to go with his idea. Uh, and, you know, he's kind of a con man, but he, he's, he, you know, he's conning. He isn't just conning for the sake of conning. It's like he, he's been given this task and he's like, well, I got to get it done. And, he, you know, he's, a, he's maybe con man's not the right word. Like he's a salesman. He's absolutely yes. a salesman. And he is yeah. constantly selling a variety of ideas right down to the season finale where he's like, where he's got these two disparate parties, the Mexican mob and the hillbilly mafia. That that's a real thing, by the way, no. <laughs> the, the hillbilly mafia, the Dixie mafia, that's all like real stuff. Um, so we, we don't <laughs> mention the hillbilly mafia around here. They don't exist. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Yeah, like my grandmother, huh? You just there's no such thing as the mafia. Got it. <laughs> um, but he he you know, he's got the he's got the Mexican mob and the and the hillbilly mob in the same room, and he just sees this opportunity that was completely invisible to all parties, and and it's like by the time he's done with as much as they're resisting him, by the time he's done with his sales pitch, they're just like, you know, that's actually pretty brilliant. <laughs> yeah, that's a good idea. It's a real good idea. Um, I can tell you that there were a few times watching this series where Bateman portrayed Marty Bird as the calculating guy that he is. But it's almost like, just like you said, when he's faced with a situation, specifically in episode one, where he is about to be killed, he watches his associates get killed, and he has to try and talk his way out of getting shot in the face. And you see it then, his gears turn, and he's, moving, he's actually talking while that's happening. That's the kind of impression that I got from that character. But then there's other times where he has to come up with an idea, and you can almost see him stop and sit there and like run everything through his head. He doesn't say a word, but you can see that the way Bateman portrays him, he's, he's thinking, all right, now he's, he's, he's coming up with something. Uh, one of the I watched an interview. I think he did. Bateman did an interview with Today. They were talking to him about the series of Ozark, 
And one of the things that Bateman mentioned was that the character of Marty Bird was arrogant. Did you get a sense of arrogance at all from this guy? No, I did not Me get either. arrogant at all. Now, are you like, being sarcastic? A... No, I swear okay, to God. Like, all right. Look, I don't know. If, I, I thought he was genuinely. You know what's, what's funny about his character? They could have written him more smarmy, but they didn't. There was a lot of restraint in his character of here's the guy who, you know, if you look back at the. There was some criticism of doing this, by the way, of the 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 um, flashback episode, yeah. where he's just he's just going along, and he's trying desperately to make his depressed wife happy, and he's just coming up with nothing. And she tells him the story about how she used to break into houses just just for kicks, mm-hmm. and he's you know, and he's like. You know, maybe we can breathe some life back into this marriage if I launder this guy's money. Um, <laughs> you know, well, not the best decision. <laughs> but like, but, you know, clearly man. he was driven to because he because he told Dell no a few times before he was finally like, I'm going to do this, and it to me it came across like he's doing it for her sake. And that's part of why he just shut down over the years because he was, because he didn't feel good about doing it. This wasn't for him. This was for her. Yeah. I mean, even after he did and took that jump, look where it, it still ended up, you know, she's mm-hmm. cheating on him. So yeah. I mean, so, they, like, they I got criticized. resentment from him. I got resentment and, but I got an earnestness. I really felt like this is a, this is a decent dude who made one bad choice on behalf of his wife and everything just sort of fell apart after that. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't get the arrogance either. I mean, if he was trying to portray arrogance, that was lost on me. What I got was granted. What I got was a very smart uh, person who was trying to do and come up with just about anything he can and was usually capable of doing so to save his own ass and his, and, and his, and, his family's ass as well, you know? Uh, but yeah, I didn't understand where he was coming up with that, but Hey, he's the actor, whatever, but man, I'll tell you what, it didn't come across like that at all to me. Um, the only way I could see him coming across as arrogant is he has to come off as, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here. It's, it's late and I'm tired and I'm losing. The language. <laughs> uh, Vocabulary confident. leaves you confident. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, I'm gonna start talking in 1984 language very soon. Like he was, he was double good guy. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Confident. He has to. He's trying to sell. You know, he's under the gun and he's trying to sell himself to these various people throughout the Ozarks. You know, and try to sell all these different ideas over the course of ten episodes. You can't be. You can't be mousy and do that. You know, if yeah. you don't believe in what you're saying, no one else is going to believe you either, especially if you're thinking out of the box. And I go back to his proposal to dam the river and then create a riverboat casino. Mm-hmm. Um, which nobody had thought of and didn't even realize was, po- was, was a possibility. You know, if, he, if he's coming across like, well, I don't know, and da, 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 you know. I could see where people might get arrogance out of that, but again, I wouldn't call it arrogance. I would call it confidence. Yeah. This is a man who knows his material, and it's almost like 
again, and I see, I guess saying this out loud, I can see where other people might interpret it as arrogance. Is he so ahead of the curve? He's so above the people that he's dealing with that he, that he constantly has to like break things down for people who aren't as smart as he is. Yeah. I, okay. I can see that. I can see that. The, the thing about the show is, is that they show you how he gets there and mm. it's not easy. So, um, maybe that's where we, you know, I, I don't know, but we, we see his struggle and his, his way of trying to get to that point to where, okay, you know, he's done all this research to come up with the plan. Uh, you know, that's just confident, hard work. So he is unlike Walter White. I, I, I didn't necessarily root for Walter White because I thought Walter White went a little crazy towards the end of Breaking Bad and kind of yeah. got what was coming to him. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the I am the one who knocks bit was a great line, but it, but it showed him getting carried away with himself. Whereas yeah. that doesn't happen with Marty. Marty doesn't have a I am the one who knocks moment. If anything, I feel sorry for him. And unlike Skyler, who I thought was a raging hose beast on, <laughs> on Breaking Bad, you know, as much as I, as, as much as I think uh, Laura Linney's Wendy character um, comes across a, in a lot of the series as unsympathetic, I still root for her too. Like, I don't want to see, like, I wanted Skylar to be you know, shot in the face. I didn't, I don't ever, <laughs> there was, there was nobody on this show who I wanted to see dead. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. You, yeah. Usually and, there's somebody in this show who either, like, if I, I don't care if they get shot or I'm rooting, I'm actively rooting against them. And in this one, like, not even the kids are bad. You know, like, sometimes, like, 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 there's a kid on the show, and I'm just like, I can't wait till you get, Frank, you know, like, I, like, again, the, the older brother on Breaking Bad, I'm like, I, I understand he had a disability and everything, but still, I was like, yeah, shoot him, he's fine. Um, <laughs> he needs to go. <laughs> and there's definitely been some characters in shows that I've watched where I'm just like, oh, my God, I hate you. Uh, but there's, I don't hate anyone on this show. Like, it, it, it has the... You had, you had to have hated that the real estate's, uh, the real estate guy's mom, at least. But the good thing is, we got to see her get her, uh... Look at this garbage truck. <laughs> which I saw coming, by the way. When she, as soon as she stuck her fingers in her ears and started walking backwards, I'm like, and she's dead. <laughs> she's dead. <laughs> <laughs> then, uh, that... Another satisfying, we, but that's the thing is, is that they, we hated that character and they were like, oh yeah, we know you're going to hate this character. And they took her out. She wasn't in enough of this show where like, clearly she's an asshole character. Yeah. But I, but she wasn't in enough of the show where I was like, please, I hate this character. Shoot her, kill her, boil her in oil. Um, (laughs) She was only in like two episodes and she dies in one of them. (laughs) It's like, all right. True. It's not like a King Joffrey situation where, you know, it's like four seasons before he finally bites the dust and he's just awful in every single one of them. Like, oh, I can't <laughs> wait to use I. <laughs> Is that the kid? See, I, 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 you, you make these references. I have no idea. It's like Facebook all over again. Stop doing it to me, Mark. You know, I have funny no idea. 
my wife said something similar about that because I I brought something up about Game of Thrones and she was and she was like, oh, is that when this happens? And I'm like, you don't watch the show. How do you even know about that? She's like, it's all over Facebook. Yep. Okay. She was like, apparently the red wedding was a big deal. And I'm like, yes, oh, it yeah. was. Yes, it was. Um, so anyway, back to Ozark, the, 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 the show at hand. <laughs> um, let's go ahead and switch gears here. I want to talk about another character. Um, this character really steals the whole show. As as good as state as Jason Bateman and Laura Linney are, they are you know obviously competent enough actors. I wouldn't expect them to be bad, but the person who I think is the emotional anchor of the show, the person with like the biggest arc, is Julia Garner's Ruth Langmore. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. Go ahead. First time I've ever seen. I was just gonna say, first time I had ever seen her, and I I don't know what kind of history she has being an actress but if this is not her best work i mean i'm i'm really going to be surprised so far what she showed me in in this show was that i, I mean i believed her as a person from the Oz, you know down there in mississippi wherever they're at georgia um I, I believe missouri exactly <laughs> missouri <laughs> <laughs> They filmed in Georgia. At least I got something right there. But no, they that right there. I believed that she had the accent. I'd love to know if she talks like that in real life because it 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 made me believe her character. Uh, look, I'm looking at her filmography on Wikipedia. Her television credits include The Get Down, where she was in two episodes, Girls, she was in one episode, and she's in eight episodes of The Americans, uh, which is an FX show. Her movie credits are nothing I've ever heard of. Okay. Um, She's she's got a bright career ahead of her. How old is she? uh, She was born... She's 23. 23. Yeah, she's... She's going to do stupendous in Hollywood, I think. Wow, she was born in the Bronx. <laughs> yeah, she can act. <laughs> God damn. <laughs> um, in any case, yeah, you know, she starts off as uh, this sort of precocious, um, you know, thieving redneck white trash person oh, that- and over the course of 10 episodes she really comes to have an affection for not just marty but marty's whole family to the point where she feels like she can't betray him and she even kills her own uh, her own brother i think it is um because they they were going to kill they were going to kill marty so she sort of beats him to the punch uh, she she really is great in this, and I thought, you know, I thought she was going to be a character I was going to hate, but I really come ar- I really came around uh, midway through the season as she starts to change, as she starts to soften and sees that Marty is uh, not a bad guy and not worth ripping off or killing. Um, I come around on her as a character. And when you re- and when you see what she has to contend with in her own personal life, you know, with the father and everything, 
you you know she's she's one that's that I think draws a, a a sufficient amount of sympathy as well. Yeah, when you're first introduced to her, she's just like you said, felt like the typical um, backwoods trailer park trash girl, and then you start to realize how smart she is. She's got she's very very skilled in what she does. I think she, her specialty or whatever, I guess you would say was breaking and entering. Hence their first real interaction when Marty does the smart thing and leaves all the cash under the bed at the hotel. And she comes in and as housekeeping and yeah, she <laughs> definitely, she does a good bit of cleaning house, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, then you start to see how smart she gets. Uh, when I say she gets, she's already smart. And, and yeah, the the relationship between her and Marty, it's cool to watch that grow because, you know, there's a point where she's planning on wanting to take all of this money after that she finds out actually how much there is. And she's going to stop at no length to do so. But luckily for her, you know, there's something kind of steps in her path and stops that from happening. And then things <clears throat> things start to grow from there where she realizes what she was about to do was going to be a mistake. And she comes to work for him at the, what is it, the blue cat? Is that what it's called? The, the hotel. Yeah. Uh, and, and then they, of course there's, there's kind of like semi adventures that they go on when they rip the, the, the strip club off, which was great. Um, and, but yeah, watching her grow as a character and, and become, you know, somewhat of a, I, I, I saw her as looking at Marty as the father figure that she didn't have because her father being away in jail. And and then of course she had her two uncles, which were, geez, those guys were, uh, they were over the top. We'll just say, and that was an that was an interesting little side story with her one uncle and the FBI agent. But, but yeah, I, I definitely, yeah, I, I, I want to talk about that. Okay, but yeah, Ruth did knock it out of the park. She did a great job. She was an important part of the series, and I can't wait to see what they do with her uh, next season. So let's turn this around now. Let me ask you, um, are there any other performances or characters that you really enjoyed in this or feel like you want to talk about? Uh, I I do want to mention – well, this is more story based. We can I'll bring this up at the end. So, as for performance wise, no, not, nothing. I mean, the kid that you thought the the bird's boy. I wish I could remember his name. I can't. I can't remember his name. Jonah. Right my head. Jonah. Uh, yeah. They did a good job of making you think that he was going to turn out to be a real creep. You know, and he's going to have issues. Uh, but we learned that he's almost more uh, calculating as calculating as his father. Uh, so I thought they did a good job in, in telling that. The kid who portrayed him did fine. Uh, he, I think that's probably, I guess, the last thing I'd want to talk. Well, the, the daughter, Charlotte, did you, did you find her annoying at, at the beginning? At the very beginning, yes. But I, all, any character that started out as, as really unlikable – I liked at by the end of the series. Okay. You know, even well, they, the villain, every, everybody at, by the, either, unless they were dead, whoever's, whoever's alive by the end of <laughs> the season finale, I had come to enjoy and appreciate. Okay. There are, 
there, there's something very noticeable that they do with most of the characters. Uh, they do a good job of giving them depth. You know, Charlotte started out as the whiny teenage brat. I don't want to move. What are you doing to me? Ah, blah, blah, blah. And then we have a few scenes, uh, a few little arcs where we start to see she starts to, you know, she starts to grow as a character. And, okay, specifically the scene where she uh, goes for a swim. That right there says to me, you know, that's a teenager trying to deal with the situation that she's in. And then I, I started going like, okay, well, this, this character's grown on me too. I can't wait to see what's going to happen next with her because I have a feeling some, some stuff's going to get pretty crazy. And how these kids are going to deal with the fact that their parents are, you know, laundering money and they're not like trying to keep it from the kids. They were originally, but then they just <laughs> sat down and were like, okay, guys, well, just to let you know, we're laundering money. Why don't you go grab a stack and help us count or help us wrap? <laughs> I mean, that's crazy. Well, uh, originally, Laura Linney tells the kids that they're laundering money because I think she, one, she got, it was early on. I think she just got set up with trying to come up with excuses for things. And the other reason was she wanted to poison the kids against the dad. And, uh, yeah. and it really is effective at the very end where, you know, he tries to get him to like go to Canada, Canada or whatever. He you know, gets some new ideas and they're just like, nope, good, better, and different. Either, you know, we all we, we all soar together, or we all sing together, but at least we're together. That's know? right. And they are a family. And they, you know, and regardless, and it's funny. They, there's a couple of times throughout the the season where it's it's like, okay, so their dad's uh, laundering money from the Mexican mob, and they're just like, okay, well, that's what <laughs> you do. <laughs> well, kids are resilient. You never know how they're going to handle things, and that was ah, that was something else. So let's talk about some. Um, I'm, I, I don't want to do plot summaries tonight. Um, that's how I handle some of these TV parties to just go episode by episode. Um, we're, we're going to do it a little bit different tonight. I want to talk about some moments, some of my favorite moments in the series, because there are some really, uh, really great, memorable moments in this series. And I think when you when you watch a TV series like this, that's what that's what you want. You want something that's going to be that's really going to capture your imagination and your attention and be something that you want to talk talk about the next day and that's what we're here to do we're here to talk about this show so right off the bat one of the first things other than jason jason bateman's like motor mouth uh that caught my attention and i had and i had kind of a like a visceral reaction to was the fbi agent kissing uh, oh. I believe it's her uncle. I can't yeah. believe the cast again. Russ. Yeah. Um, uh, let's see. Yeah. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's her okay. uncle. Yeah. So. <laughs> so he. So so the FBI agent who is oh what's his name? Um, Petty. Roy, I believe. Roy Petty. Yes. Mm-hmm. So Roy Petty has a real hard on for wanting to bust drug uh, drug dealers because of the situation with his mom being addicted to drugs and all that, which they reveal in the flashback in the flashback episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he so he's he is described as a rogue FBI agent, and he definitely does some interesting things. 
he goes down to he goes down to the Ozarks and he's posing as a guy who wants to do some fly fishing and he picks out uh, Russ Langmore, who again is Ruth's uncle. Uh, he pays him to take him fishing, and they have you know, they have a good outing together. And um, at first, he's like, you know, when he tell he tells him he's gay almost immediately, and Russ is like, yeah, I don't want to hang out with you anymore. Yeah. So, <laughs> So then he changes his mind. He was like, look, if you're willing to pay me, I'll take you on another fishing expedition. And after, after they wrap up fishing the second time around, yes, Russ, uh, sorry, Roy plants a big kiss oh, on man. Russ. And you could actually, I don't know about you, but I could actually feel like right, right before he kissed him, I'm like, why is there sexual tension between these two guys? Where is this going? <laughs> And then he and, and then he just jumps on him and gives him a big kiss and of course he gets punched in the face for it. And yeah. I ain't no faggot. Bam. Yeah. Um, Typ- typical in the closet hillbilly gay man apparently. Uh, yeah. Which first off, okay, whoever played Russ, I, I don't know who the actor was, but it, he, again another tremendous job making me believe that this guy was a redneck okay you know mm-hmm. he, he uh, clearly had the appearance but he also had you know he, he had everything else about him that made me go okay well this is this is your good old country boy uh so yeah yeah uh, the punch in the face i saw coming a mile away what i didn't see happening was uh agent petty going for broke you know at the beginning <laughs> at the beginning of that whole exchange i was like dude what the hell man <laughs> what is going on? What made you decide to do that? But go ahead and continue. That was the thing. It was like he plants his big kiss on him, and 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 you don't, as the viewer, it becomes clear what he's doing later on in the series. But at the beginning, you know, I didn't realize. Maybe I'm just dumb, but I didn't realize he was fingering him for a mark that he wanted to turn at some point. Um, in his investigation, I just thought like, while he was, that, that was all part of the cover is, you know, he wanted to establish that he, you know, that he was fishing and everything, um, you know, yeah. or, or there was another reason for it. Like I wasn't necessarily convinced that it was a part of the investigation. So when he kisses him, I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. And it's not like, it, it's not like they, the show was kind enough to say, okay, you know, Agent Petty did some research and found that he'd been in jail for this, that, and the other uh, that was sexually, had some kind of sexual undertones, homosexual undertones in some way, to make you believe that Russ was in some way gay. That is not the case. I mean, so, yeah, you're right. This all of a sudden happens out of left field, and you're like, dude, how does this figure into your investigation, you idiot? What are you doing? <laughs> and Right. And and then I mean, it's it's so interesting the turn how how that you know afterward what happens. But yeah, I agree. That was one of the moments where I remember looking over at my wife, going, "What the hell is he thinking?" And then a scene or two later, they're fucking in the bus, fucking in the bus, <laughs> fucking in the bus. <laughs> yes, they were. 
<laughs> oh goodness. Um, anyway, um, hey, yeah, you know what? There's nothing wrong with it. Whatever you like. Anywho, um, yeah. So just the and that poor guy later on. That poor poor Russ. And he's just like, oh, dude. Right, he's trying, they're gonna open up a, like a bait and tackle shop, and he's trying to talk to him about it. He was just like, yeah, I'm in the FBI, and you're now like on the hook for conspiracy to commit murder. Yeah, and here we need you to go. We need you to go and and wear this wire. And I don't see how Russ did not like. I mean, he was caught at a rock in a hard place, and again, of course, he does kind of flip out a little bit towards the end. But yeah, man, that guy. But I, really I mean, he came. He came out him. to the dude for Pete's sake. Well, that was the thing. It was like, could you just imagine? It's it's like all over his face. Like the guy playing him doesn't have a Wikipedia page or anything. But I actually thought it was a very good performance. You know, in the sense that it really comes through. It's just like, I finally, I finally like come out to somebody and am expressing my, you know, this internal issue I've got. And yeah, there's you know, pen, there's pent up stuff there. Yeah, and as it turns out, I fucking came out to an FBI agent who was just using me. Oh, <laughs> that whole um, arc. Horrible. Yeah, like I, I, fe- I felt legitimately bad for the guy. Um, <laughs> the other, the other moment in the show that I want to talk about. There, there was there was three big moments in the show that le- le- left an impact on me. The next one was uh, the second glass of lemonade, which of course. Oh uh, yeah. Is, is, <laughs> <laughs> Can you want me to go get some lemonade? Oh yeah, shit! Darling, <laughs> it's about to be on. Somebody's <laughs> dying. Just comes fucking running out of the house with a needle full of heroin. And, and and the other one that's just like that is as Dell's just like I never thought I would be doing business with rednecks and the fucking shotgun to the face. Dude, okay. Most emotionally unhinged character in this series is the the wife of the, the help me out. You know, Dar- you think I'd have all Darlene the characters. Snell. Darlene, Darlene Snell. Snell. Oh my gosh. I mean <laughs> I I think I think the husband has he has a level head, but his wife gets started. She gets her jimmies all riled, and she just starts coming up with like, "Oh yeah, let's you know, I, I got an idea. I want to teach these people a lesson. Okay, what do you want to do? You want to shoot them? No, I want to go cut their stomach open." And uh, you're like, "Where is this lady coming from? She has <laughs> evil, completely evil." And these two together are not. No, they they are they they are a evil pair of people in this uh, in the Ozarks here. Yeah. So between her running out of the house and hitting the old strip club owner with the fucking needle full of heroin, Ugh. and then at the and then in the finale when she shoots Dell in the face and the <laughs> husband's reaction, you just can't be shooting people in the house, Darlene. <laughs> Jesus Christ! I think mean, I think the husband has to figure out what the fuck to do because he's he all of a sudden he's like got to reach in his pants or, and pull out the gun and shoot the bodyguard and it takes right. like a full like ten seconds for him to do that because he's just trying to figure out what the hell happened right. uh, because this was not planned. <laughs> yeah, 
I, I, that, those, those two bits there, definitely, like, I can still see him fresh in my head. It's been a couple of days since I watched it. Like, wow. <laughs> yeah. You, yeah, you did not again, see it coming. You, you had no idea. Expect it. Yeah, it's yeah. like you said, you, you don't realize they're heroin dealers um, when, when the, one, when the uh, strip club owner shows up. Like, you don't know what that whole setup is all about. And she's like, you just want some lemonade? And then she's just like, yeah, like fucking Jason. <laughs> she's running out of the house. Stopping people's bits. Um, so uh, the last one I want to bring up, and then I'll, I'll let you discuss any moments that were memorable for you. There's a pastor on the show, and there's not much to him character-wise. He's somebody who, in a flashback, had a near-death experience, and, you know, with all near-death experiences, he found the Lord, and he became a preacher, and he's mm-hmm. preaching on the water, and the, the hillbilly mafia is using him to, unknowingly, using, unknowingly him yeah. to, using his service as an opportunity to distribute heroin. And, of course, with his dealings with, you know, Marty wants to build him a church so that he can launder money to the construction costs, um, which co- which causes conflict with the hillbilly mafia because they need him on the water to keep their heroin flowing. Uh, so, so there's conflict over that. Um, and then eventually Marty just tells him straight out, like you're being used. They don't, they're not interested in your sermon. Uh, and in return, they return the favor by saying, and the church he wanted to build you was a phony, a big fat phony. Uh, who's just going to be, <laughs> used for laundering money. And so, um, the, you know, and they basically threaten him, like, we're going to kill your wife and cut your baby out of, the, out of her belly if you don't cooperate with us. And he's just like, well, I can't do it. You know, like, he tries. He goes back on the water, and, and the whole thing is just a mess. And he's like, yeah, I can't do this anymore. And they kill his wife. Yep. And I, took, I didn't even realize that's what happened at first. When he walks in the oh. house and the baby. And the baby's on the table. I'm like, when did she have the... Oh, God, she didn't have the baby. She's dead. <laughs> yeah, dude, they they said they were going to cut that baby out of her stomach. And, you know, the baby's all laying there on the on the table all nice and pristine, clean, and just, you know, alive and happy as can be. And you're like, wait a second. And one of the reviews that I read said that was probably one of the greatest moments in, should say, one of the scariest and most disturbing moments in the series where they leave you to realize what happened to the pastor's right. wife and what, well, you know, what occurred. They don't show had you an effect on me, but what had the most profound effect on me and probably the most shocking moment of the entire series. And I haven't, you know, like, like I'm, I'm going to keep making comparisons to game of Thrones just because one, it's fresh <laughs> on my mind too. And you just can't help yourself. <laughs> Well, Game of Thrones has a lot of graphic violence in it. People are losing their heads left and right on that show. Um, and, the, and, and when people aren't being beheaded, there's still like, there's, all, there's um, I think it's either like season five or six, where one guy is having his like fingers peeled and his, his dick cut off and no. you know, like all kinds of shit's happening to him. And none of that stuff affected me. Like, I was like, okay, whatever. You know, I've seen, so like, it's like, whoa, Rattledge, you sound sounds like, like like extreme violence doesn't bother you. Not really. I've seen a lot of this stuff before. It's like, okay, you know, 
And it's Whatever. a fantasy setting too. I mean, yeah, and Game it's of a fantasy, fantasy setting. setting. Yeah. But what had a profound effect on me, and what I was legitimately horrified by, and made me sad and emotional, and, it, and I came home and I was like sh- talking about it with Melissa, was the preacher taking his newborn and drowning it in the ocean, or drowning oh. it in the lake. Man. And I was saying to Melissa, like the way that that scene is shot, I didn't know if that was like him fantasizing for a minute and then just like get coming to grips and like not really doing it or he did it. And what a resilient baby, because that baby was in that water for a long time. A and very... the baby's just like, and the baby's just like, what the fuck dude? Like not even crying. <laughs> just, like it's not even spitting water out of its mouth. I mean, like he drowned an infant. Like yeah. a days old infant. Yeah, dude. And how long? How long do they focus? I mean, what, he just rams his hands into the water with the baby in his hands, and then it's just focused on his face. And that is probably what made it most uncomfortable: is that you're just watching his face. And how long did you sit there and watch his face? Probably at least ten to fifteen seconds, if not a little bit more. And you're like, kid's dead. This, this guy's so, gone over the deep end. This crisis of faith, this crisis of faith has, has taken its toll. And look at this nastiness. So the year that I met my wife was the, the, the last season of The Wire. And she, um, we were dating at the time, so she used to come over and watch it with me. And she was like a first-year teacher at the time. And maybe like, yeah, she was, she was in the midst of like her first full-time teaching job. And she taught in the ghetto. And it was all black kid, like poor black children, title one, all the way, right? Mm-hmm. And there was, now I don't know if you ever actually watched The Wire, but there was a character whose name was Dookie, and Dookie was having difficulty finding his way. He was too soft to be a gangster and too frightened to go to school. And he, and then the, 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 the child that he was taking care of uh, for another character was moved to the suburbs. And so he literally had nothing left. Um, so the final scene of Dookie, and he's like only like 15 or 16 years old, but he's, he, he goes into like this horse barn in Baltimore where there's a bunch of dudes shooting heroin and he like shoots heroin for the first time. And my <clears throat> wife's like, and, and because my wife identified with that character, um, as being like one of her students and she taught elementary school at the time. She just had an epic meltdown. Like she just, just crying and like couldn't breathe and like was carrying on and everything. And she was like, I I can't handle what I'm watching here because it's too close to home. It's too real for me. And not that I drown one of my children, but yeah, <laughs> I have an experience with drowning children. But that's kind of the reaction I had watching that scene was I can't handle this. This is too much for me because I because I could never imagine being so frustrated or so full of anger and hate that I would want to drown an infant. Yeah. And. You know, babies are are so innocent. Like I, it was a great thing to put on TV in terms of drama, but it was one of the most horrifying images I've seen in my life. 
I mean, you, you can mutilate people all day long in films like Hostel and whatnot. And my only reaction is, well, that's gross. And they don't want to look at things that are gross. But as far as getting a visceral emotional reaction from me, him drowning the infant was like way over the top for me. Okay. Well, let, let's, let's, here's what I got out of that scene. Okay. I want, I want to tell you what I got out of it. And see, some of the stuff you may you may agree with, I don't know. But, you know, all this shit that this guy had gone through, uh, one of the things that we learned about in the flashback episode is that he could have possibly died in that, um, that he, you know, he had that near-death experience. And if the bullet was somewhere else, you know, he could have died, I'm sure. Uh, so that's what brought him to the Lord. Now, all this... All this shit happens where he has this huge crisis of faith, where he no longer believes in God, or at least it seems like that's the case. And then he takes his newly born child down to the lake and throws it, not throws it, he takes it and shoves it under the water for a very, very long time. Now, I, I see one of two things going through his mind. He's either really intent on actually killing this child, this child who's been brought into a world that he <clears throat> right now uh, hates probably with every fiber of his being. Uh, and so he probably looks at this as an act of mercy to take this child out of there. Uh, but when he brings the kid up, it's almost like he expected the kid to still be okay. I don't know if it was him saying, okay, what the hell am I doing and bringing the kid up? Or did the guy actually legitimately go down there in order to try and baptize this child and, tr- and possibly see if the kid would survive just like he did in his near-death experience? Now, the other thing that I want to talk about with this scene is this is the ultimate presentation of the hell that Marty Bird brought with him to the Ozarks. Okay. Now you think of what Marty Bird did. He, he come down there with the intent of laundering all this money. And you look at all of the lives that throughout the show that he affected. And it was not in a positive way, all because number one, he wanted to save his own ass. Okay. Number one, he wanted to stay alive. It's, I can't, I can't fault it's the guy. definitely a Vic Mackey moment when you realize all of the lot, like he negatively affected every single life he touched. Yeah, yeah, and you know what? You know what really makes the show. It, it really makes the show good for me is the fact that me and you are rooting for Marty Bird and his family to go on, no matter how, all this shit that's going on around them, and what we just saw. Think about that. What we just saw with that preacher and his baby. That's a result of Marty Bird, but here we are waiting for season two to happen because we want to see what happens with Marty Bird and we want to root for this guy and see how he's going to get out of it. So that's the brilliance of this show. They show you how much shit he has caused, but you, again, it's a very much, it's very much a breaking bad situation. You're rooting, you root for, uh, you, you root for Walter White at the beginning uh, you said you didn't like that at the end. You know, you weren't rooting for him too much at the end. Well, I, I feel the same way in this in, in this aspect with with those arcs. 
Okay. Um, we're a little over the hour. I allowed to talk about this, but uh, I don't want to, I want to make sure you have said your piece. So any moments, uh, anything, I'm, I'm going to open this up to any moments or any burning desires. Okay. Yeah. My, my final thing that I want to bring up is there are three instances, I think three, there may be more, but there's three instances in this show where somebody, it, it the show makes you believe that they're going to die or they died. Uh, now, I don't know if this is something that they're going to toy with later on down the line, but right at the beginning in episode one, you hear a gunshot when Marty Berg closes his eyes. Then all of a sudden he opens them up and lo and behold, he's still alive. Now as to, cause everybody else was dead as to why the shot went off. I don't know. Is so right then and there, I'm like, is he actually dead? Now, I don't want to go that route with this. I know you'd probably shit all over that if that was, was this all a dream? You know, I don't want to say anything <laughs> like that. But, but then we have Charlotte, who in the later episodes goes out for a swim while her parents are arguing. And it's, it's laid out. It's getting dark. And I don't know if it's a matter of if she intended to commit suicide or if the cramps got to her or whatever, but she ends up going down under the water for quite a long time. And I'm like, well, she's dead. She's dead. And as a matter of fact, they show her lifeless toes, you know, they're dangling into the bottom of the riverbed. And you're like, well, this is it for her. They're going to regret this one. And then she comes back up miraculously. Nobody there to help her. Nothing. Again, another situation where I swear a character died, but she did not. Now, again, that's another thing where I was talking about the depth of a character. Maybe she, she gets that rush. A lot of the reviews I said, she, it, it, it appeared that she had a rush of coming that close to death. And, of course, the, the third and final one we just talked about, where the baby went under for an insane amount of time but came back up perfectly fine. They toy with you when they do that, uh, and I really wonder if there is some other meaning or there's going to be something that kind of fits into the season, or if we want to see more of that in the second season. The other thing is the, the images at the beginning. I thought this was neat. Nothing spectacular. You guys are going to notice at the beginning of every episode, there's always these four images that pop up. I think there are precursors to what you're going to see on the episode. So if you go back and you look at those, uh, the first time I noticed that was the heroin spoon. Uh, And when I saw the heroin spoon and and the needle, I was like, okay, I've not, heroin has not been discussed at all in this series. What is going to happen? And sure enough, we got introduced to the Snells. So uh, that was fun. That was a fun little aspect of the show. But other than that, I think we've, you know, I've hit most of what I want to talk about. My favorite that, you know, one of the, criticisms I saw about Ozark was that it's a very morose, uh, serious show, not a lot of levity, but I thought there were some, there were some fun one-liners in the show. There was the occasional, not like ha-ha joke, but there's, there's occasionally a line that made me laugh. And my favorite line of the entire series is in the finale when, um, the, when, uh, what's his fucking name? Um, Jacob Snell, Says to Marty, who's in a panic, they'll just send another Mexican. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, dude. And do you get the impression that I think he even says it? He's like, "Do you know who this guy works for?" 
do you know what's going to happen now? Uh, so I, do you get the impression there's like a bigger uh, a heavy that's going to be coming down and we're going to have an all-out war at some point? Everybody works for somebody. That's right. That is right. All right. Uh, I think it's a, that's a perfect way to end our discussion here of Ozark. Um, I would recommend it, you know, if you're into the kind of shows that we talked about, Breaking Bad, The Wire, Game of Thrones, whatever. It's all the same. Um, <laughs> <laughs> go ahead and give Ozark a shot. Uh, as far as what do we got going on in the future, Fuller House Season 3 drops tomorrow, so we'll talk about it on Tuesday. Um, the Metal Hammer of Doom, we'll be discussing the new Arch Enemy, Will to Power. And on trial, we'll be doing its only show of September. We had to cancel it uh, due to the hurricane. We're going to be talking about the most reviewed and the... Okay, I, actually, I got the headline right here. Why Ballistic X versus Sever is the most rotten movie of all time. Ooh, We're going to boy. talk about it on, on trial. We're going to put that one on trial. I'm going to defend it. I'm going to watch <laughs> it, and I will attempt to defend the most rotten movie of all time. Let's see if I can do it. Let's see if I'm successful. Um, that's what we got going on. Next week, in the month of October, uh, we got some more Damn You Hollywoods coming back. But in the meantime, we've also got a few TV parties. Uh, We've got one on October 3rd. It's going to be Hannibal Season 1 with myself and Robert... uh, Winfrey. Winfrey. Excuse me. Um, We'll be reviewing the new Blade Runner the week after that. Voltron Season 4 the week after that. And then Geostorm and Jigsaw um, in the weeks after that. So uh, October is chock full of shows. Hopefully we don't get hit by another hurricane and I have to cancel all of them. Fucking <laughs> uh, Irmer. <laughs> Irmer. Um, as far as the next source material, we'll be doing the DC meets Hanna-Barbera uh, on Monday, October 2nd. So I can't wait for that. And I'm sure Ronnie Adams is already crying into his seat. <laughs> Guaranteed. Guaranteed. <laughs> you got, you got to quickly plug our show from last night, last night's metal hammer of doom. I don't know if you said that already. Uh, yeah, go back in the archives, check out our review of profits of do uh, profits of rage, uh, self-titled album profits of rage on the metal hammer of doom. Uh, we had a good time reviewing it. It was, uh, yeah, Jesse, Jesse and I had some differing opinions on the album, but overall it was okay. And I have one question. One yes, question sir. that relates to tonight's show. Do you know what Vol- the Vultures do at the Ozarks? They fly over. They fly <laughs> over. <laughs> nice setup. Uh, uh, right, awesome. Go, go ahead and do your plugs and we'll get out of here. All right, ladies and gentlemen, go give the Rattlich in Broadcasting Network Facebook page a like to stay up on top of all the great podcasts that we have to offer. We're on iTunes, we're on Stitcher, we're right here at home on blogtalkradio.com. We're also on all sorts of other places you could probably find podcasts. So just type in Rattlich in the search bar. I'm sure something's going to pop up that we did. Uh, just as Mark mentioned, I do a show on this 
here network called Source Material. We're at over 130-some episodes. We had a recent episode drop where I went to the River City Comic Con, uh, and I promoted that with my buddy Jordan, who's part of the part of Kapow, the pop culture podcast. And they just, as of today, released their episode of our panel that we did where we got to ask the audience trivia. And man, did we have a good time. I made sure the only thing I could do was just ask people about their shirts. And one guy came up with an Opeth shirt on. So there you go. We got we had some we had some uh, great guests that came up there and did some did some trivia. Uh, recently, if you guys are interested in independent wrestling, I did attend Throwdown for the Pound 16 right here in Marietta, Ohio, for Remix Pro Wrestling, and I did a podcast covering the results. We talked me and a good buddy Joel Gant, who's currently at a comedy show right now performing. Uh, we got on there and had a good time, discussed the results and uh, the matches that occurred, the hilarity, uh, the some of the, some of the crazy spots that went on. We got to watch Colt Cabana and Swoggle tag team up against the Mega Plowers. That's right, Plowers, uh, and also none other than Grado and Bully Ray or Bubba Ray Dudley came out triple threat tag best match of the night worth the price of admission alone. So check that out. Other than that, you can follow me at Stiznarkey on Twitter, and I turn it over to the good man Mark Radlish. Thanks for talking about this with me tonight, man. Yeah, it was fun. I appreciate you uh, hipping me to it. So back to Game of Thrones now. All right. Um, Actually, I'm going to watch the second episode of South Park. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us here on TV Potty tonight in our review of Ozark Season 1. It's been renewed for a second season, so when that comes out, Jesse and I will come back and and we'll hit it up again. In the meantime, be well, be safe, and behave.